Welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We inspire executives, professionals, and business-savvy women to better their finances and overcome the financial stresses of life. We do all of this by giving the advice you need to identify your goals and the confidence to achieve them so you can retire to a life you love. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to win financially as Michelle draws from years of expertise and talks with today's top business minds about their wins, failures, and best practices. Hello and welcome to Retire to a Life You Love podcast with your host, Michelle Gessner. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Wendy. Oh, how are you? This is the beautiful fall autumn-like days that we are going through right now. Yes. And, and for us too, thankfully, we've had such a brutally hot, unbelievably hot summer. And finally, we are getting a break from that. And it's a little bit warm, but a cold front is coming, I'm hearing. Oh, now what does a cold front mean to you? A cold front means it's not 110 degrees, Wendy. So it's 85? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're saying that like we're going to have 70s and then it's going to get into maybe the 60s for a couple days. I'm I'm so excited. Wow. So that you're, you that crisp air, you can yes. smell it. You can uh, sit outside on your patio and not be uncomfortable. Yeah. We're getting a cold uh, front too here in New Jersey. We're getting extra high temperatures. It's going to be 80 on Saturday, but then 60 on Sunday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So I heard about that cold front, Siberian cold front. I, I don't usually follow the weather, but come on, it's, it's getting, it's getting ridiculous. So anyway, aside from that, what is your favorite thing about fall? I, my favorite thing as a curly haired girl, no humidity. Look, I've got curls again. My favorite thing is the same as yours. I'm not a big fan of humidity either. Okay. I just want to go outside and not suffocate. That's all I ask. It's not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Okay. So today, Michelle, we are going to be focusing on the five signs that it may be time to fire your financial advisor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a topic I'd like to get into maybe People think that an advisor shouldn't be talking about when it's time to fire your advisor, but nothing's off the table here. Let's talk about it. Okay. So the number one thing would be you never hear from your advisor. That's correct. If you never hear from your advisor, that's a red flag. Something is not right. You should be hearing from your advisor at least once a year preferably more often than that, but at least once a year for an, an investment review, a, a plan review, um, and then preferably a couple, at least a couple of times. And, you know, in, in the case of, for my practice, my office, we're reaching out all kinds of ways. We have our monthly newsletters. We're reaching out quarterly with market commentary, but I'm just talking about the bare minimum. You should hear from your advisor at least once a year and after significant market events. So what do you consider then hearing from? Because, you know, does the newsletter count as hearing from? Or do you mean like a, a personal reach out to see how everything's going? Well, you can define it however you want, but you should at least hear a personal reach out. Let's, if you want to define it that way, you should get a personal reach out at the minimum once a year, preferably more often than that but once a year at the minimum. 
The second thing to watch for is your advisor not offering true financial planning. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that's a big one. Um, unfortunately, the term financial advisor means different things to different people. And it's very confusing for the consumer because they think that we do everything the same. And that's just not true. A financial advisor oftentimes, 95% of the time, means just working on your investments. And while investments is a critical piece of your financial plan, your retirement plan, of course, it is not the only piece. I like to inform people, educate people that true financial planning is not just your investments. It is about things like tax planning, which I've talked about numerous times on this on this uh, podcast before, but tax planning strategies, you should be hearing from your advisor about what strategies could possibly apply to you. Roth conversions would be an example. Tax loss harvesting, is that something they're doing? Um, there's something called qualified charitable distributions. I won't get into what that is, but it's another tax strategy. And how, how do they know what applies to you? Well, by doing projections, by doing projections with some analysis and 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 looking at it with you to help you not only in the current tax year, but to perhaps insulate your nest egg from future tax increases. So th those are some examples of tax planning, social security filing strategies. That's a part of your financial plan. As you get closer to social security age, it, there's, there's more refinement of that topic that should be done because the social security office, they don't do that for you. They're instructed not to do that for you. Right. And if you actually try to take advice from them, you may get some very bad advice. Um, risk mitigation. Okay. It's not just enough to earn a return. You want to keep your money, keep it from taxes uh, in, in the most efficient way, legally, of course. Uh, but risk, risk like what if there's a long-term care event in the future? What if, Things that can go wrong. What if there's a premature death? What if there's some lack of asset protection that could leave you hanging in the case of an unforeseen liability event that, that now you are facing and you didn't know that you had asset exposure? Um, your property casualty documents, your declaration pages. Has anyone looked at that? Um, and I'm not talking about your advisor needs to sell you property and casualty insurance. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about do you understand how those fit into your bigger financial picture? Has anyone sat down? To, has your advisor looked at those? Um, estate planning. We've talked about estate planning on this on this podcast. Is your advisor looking at those documents? They don't have to be a lawyer. They shouldn't. They're, we're not talking about giving legal advice or drafting documents, but your advisor needs to know what your estate planning documents say because they're in charge of the implementation. If your trust is not funded with the accounts that they sh it should be funded with, meaning the titles are not right on, on your investment accounts, the beneficiaries are not right on your investment accounts. And if that's the case, your estate planning documents aren't worth the paper they're written on because the lawyer doesn't handle that. The advisor does. Do you understand what they say? Does your advisor check to make sure that what they say is, is aligned with what you want? So these are all pieces of true financial planning. And if you're not getting them, just know that there are advisors out there that do all of this. 
Another sign that you may need to fire your financial advisor is they're not a fiduciary or they lack credentials. Yeah. So again, not every advisor is the same. Um, some advisors have more experience than others and the credentials is a good way to check that. So does your advisor have a series 65? A series 65 is the fiduciary license, which means that by law, they have to give you what's called best interests advice. The advice has to be in your best interests. And that is enforced by the SEC and FINRA, which are the regulatory bodies. But they're only enforcing fiduciary level advice on investments. So if the advice has nothing to do with what's considered an investment, such as insurance, annuities that are not a variable annuity, then that falls out of that scope. And so the advisor could have a series 65, which means they have to give fiduciary level, best interest level advice on investments, but then they can turn around and talk about something that's not an investment and it not, is not given in with your best interest in mind. So if you want all of your financial advice to be held at that fiduciary level, well, then you need to look for a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, because those folks now also have an, a, the organization, the CFP board, that requires that all advice they give be in your best in interests. So I hope that explains it a little bit. And just know that a CFP, just to get it, the, the advisor had to pass six courses. They had to pass a grueling six-hour exam that has a high failure rate. And they had to have at least three years of financial planning experience and a bachelor's degree to get that CFP. So if that is something that you would like, then you know now what to look for. Well, and it's interesting. I've uh, heard about fiduciary before. I did not know that it really only extended to investments. So that's some important information to know. But what I really wonder is uh, who determines the best interest? That's a very good question. So if you're talking about investments, the SEC and FINRA's you know, would be in charge of determining whether that advice was given in your best interest. So if there's some sort of conflict and, and you know, and it gets to that level, that's is going to decide. Now, if you're talking about a non-investment kind of piece, like, like for example, an insurance document or insurance uh, policy or, or an annuity that's not a variable annuity, because that's an investment. Well, now you're talking about the CFP board and they would get involved if there's some sort of complaint Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know that there's people behind that. Yeah. And, and that just helps, hopefully, our listeners understand that not every advisor is alike. And if you are not getting these things and they're important to you, then it may be time to fire your advisor. But we've got more, don't we? Oh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Another sign would be that your advisor's investment philosophy is not in line with yours. Now, how do you figure that out? So your investment philosophy is perhaps market timing and your advisor's philosophy is more buy and hold, okay? Who's right and who's wrong? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, are they in alignment? So when you are meeting first with a potential advisor, 
you should find out what their investment philosophy is. Let them explain it to you. What do they believe? What do they not believe? And is it in line with what you want? So here are some examples. Let's say your advisor or potential advisor says to you that the stock market is a, is a very scary place. You should be afraid of the stock market and you should put all of your money or most of it in annuities or let's say insurance products, then now you know where that advisor stands. Let's say conversely, someone says, well, no, all insurance products are bad. All of them. You shouldn't even have an habit. It's just bad. And annuities are terrible. All annuities, horrible. You shouldn't own any of that stuff. Frankly, my opinion, I'm going to give it is that both of those are extreme positions and there is a more moderate position. And I personally don't think that the stock market is a bad place. And I personally don't think it, that insurance products and annuities are, are all bad. What I think is there's no such thing as good cookie cutter advice because everybody's situation is different. There are nuances and there is a place for, for everything in moderation. That's my belief. And there are some good annuities and there are some terrible annuities and the stock market is not a place perhaps for all of your money. And, you know, there's no all or nothing in, in, in my view, but that's just an example of find out where they stand timing the market. You know, that would be a case where the advisor puts your money in the market when they think that things are going to go well. And it's at the first sign of things not going well, they're going to move some of your money out. And then they're going to wait for the market to look like it's recovering. Then they're going to move your money back in. That's timing the market. And that is a strategy that some advisors use. It's not one that I would recommend because I think timing the market is costly for the investor. And you have to be right twice when to get in, when to get out. And there's a whole bunch of research done on this topic that doesn't really support that it works. But my point is, do you want that kind of investment handling or do you not like that? Uh, find out where your advisor stands. Um, I'm trying to think of one more example, the expense of your investments. Investments have a cost internally. And does your advisor talk about that? What kind of investments do they use? Do they use investments that may have a high, ex what's called expense ratio, high, high internal cost? Or do they strictly use low-cost investments? Do they explain it to you? What do you want? Is that important to you to have low-cost investments? Or do you believe that it doesn't really matter as long as you're getting a really good return? And what is a good return? You know, I mean, so all of these things need to be talked about to make sure that you're on the same page with your advisor. Hi, it's Michelle. As you listen to today's episode, you may be wondering about your own situation and whether you've done all that you can to prepare yourself for the retirement you love. If you're not sure, it's a good idea to reach out and not leave things to chance. I want to help, so let's connect for a call. You can find all of my contact information, including my social channels, in today's show notes. Now, let's get back to today's program. Probably one of the biggest signs to hire a new advisor, fire your current advisor would be if you don't feel like you're being heard from your financial planner. Yeah. If you're not being heard or you feel like you, they're not listening to you, 
um, that's a sign that you do not have a good fit. And maybe, uh, maybe you should be looking for a different advisor. Uh, do you struggle to communicate with your advisor? And I'm, you know, we're not talking about the first bullet point we were making, which was you never hear from your advisor. We're talking about, okay, you're talking to your advisor. You've reached your advisor. They're talking to you, but there seems to be a communication gap. Uh, maybe they talk all in jargon and you don't understand what they're saying. Maybe they're really not listening to your questions and not answering your questions. Maybe you feel like you're being talked down to. That happens a lot of times. If you're feeling uncomfortable or not heard by your advisor, then you have the wrong advisor because that should not be the case. What if you're a member of a, of a, a couple and your advisor is only talking to your spouse and just ignores you? Maybe you get left off of email communications. Maybe you ask to be left off. Maybe you don't want to be involved. And if you've expl- explicitly said that, that's that's fine. But but if not, I don't think that an advisor should leave off one spouse and just talk to the other. Right. I think that can be dangerous. Yeah. And and from what I've heard through the grapevine is, you know, if one of them, the one who's primarily involved, passes away, the other person likely will move on to somebody else at that point. Yes, that's true. But in your example, if your spouse is the one that is always involved and you have just completely left it to that person, either because you wanted to or because your advisor leaves you out, when your spouse passes, what a mess for you. You don't know what's going on. You've not been involved. It, it's just one more thing to tackle that is it shouldn't be that way. It's your money too. You should know what's going on. Mm -hmm. At a very difficult time at that, right? Very difficult. That's right. Okay. So those are the top five things to look for when you may be ready to fire your financial advisor. So uh, any closing thoughts, Michelle? Well, if you're out there in listener world thinking, okay, well, I probably don't have the right fit, but I don't know how to fire my advisor. It's really not that hard. You, it, you know, you can send an email. If you don't really want to have a phone call, you can do that. You can call the custodian. I don't know, you know, who you're using, but if it's Schwab or Fidelity or, you know, one of, one of your, there's a lot of them out there. You can call them and just say, I, I want you to remove my advisor. Now that's not the best way. I think the best way is to send an email. Um, but if you're more comfortable doing that, doing it that way, you can, it's not hard to fire your advisor. I think it's, it's more difficult to think this through as to whether it's a good fit. Now, also, I want to mention that if you're firing your advisor, because you think you can do it better yourself, well, that's a whole different conversation because maybe you can, chances are that's not true. But that's a whole different uh, topic that we can get into, um, probably not for today. So if I want to uh, hire a new advisor and I have to fire my old advisor, can I have my new advisor tell my old advisor? <laughs> well, well, no, that's a that's a very good question. Yes. The answer is yes. So oh, thank if, goodness. Yeah. You don't even have to get involved if it's not comfortable for you. So you can you can go to the new advisor and say, OK, I 
want to hire you. And then the new advisor is going to fill out what's called a transfer of assets form at the custodian level. So a Schwab form or a Fidelity form or whoever it is that you, that they use. And then that, that form gets signed by you and gets sent to your current advisor. And it's all done through paper. I like that much better. No confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. And most advisors are not going to be confrontational with you. They, you know, it, it's, a, it, they understand it's a, a business decision. So you shouldn't be afraid, but if it's not something you really want to do, yes, you could absolutely do it that way. And it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. We appreciate the advice. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they have more questions? Yeah. So you can get in touch with me by visiting our website, which has all the contact information, GesnerWealthStrategies.com. Okay. Well, thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We hope you were inspired to take steps to your financial freedom as you learned new techniques and strategies for managing your finances. To learn more about how you can improve your financial landscape, visit our website at www.gessnerwealthstrategies.com. That's G-E-S-S-N-E-R wealthstrategies.com. Or give Michelle and her team a call at 713-589-6448. And don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes are available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Michelle Gessner or Gessner Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.